Welcome to the Transformation Cafe with your host, Robin Misevich. Transformation Cafe, a weekly half hour of light, topical conversation about health, wellness, happiness, personal growth, spirituality, and other insights. We're glad you're here. Transformation Cafe, a fun place to nourish your soul. Now, let's get started and introduce our diners for tonight's show. Well, hey, everyone, I want to welcome you to the Transformation Cafe. I'm your host, Robin Masevich, and we have our wonderful co-host, Miss Amy Frost, joining us. Hey, Amy, how are you tonight? I'm great. How about you, my friend? I'm feeling joyful. Of course, you know, we're talking about the, the, the Book of Joy with the Dalai Lama and uh, Desmond Tutu. We are actually starting um, our cafe book club with these wonderful authors, and it's also got... Um, uh, Douglas Abrams is also part of it. And I think it's just, if you haven't checked uh, out what we're going to be doing with the show, I really want to encourage everybody to be uh, looking back at our, our past shows about what we talked about with the with this wonderful book. And we're going to kind of take our time with this book because there's so many wonderful things that one thing I really appreciated is both Desmond and the Dalai Lama are very much appreciative of the sciences. And they really love to look at the research and what we're finding out on just multiple levels about what's really true. And boy, if you go into the research of looking at joy, there's so many benefits to that. They say that if you have laughter and joy in your life, you live longer, you look better, and uh, you, just, you just have a higher quality of life. And I think that's something that we really want to have as a part of the Transformation Cafe. It's just these these things that can really be helping you. Do you know, tonight's show is called Joy and happiness are byproducts, but byproducts of what? So um, we're going to get into that with the next few shows and talk about that. Anything right off the bat, Amy, you want to be touching about with the book? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about what uh, Reverend Tutu and what the Dalai Lama have to say, kind of to kick us off. And uh, on page 12 is uh, something from the, the Archbishop Tutu, and he says, Discovering more joy does not, I'm sorry to say, save us from the inevitability of hardship and heartbreak. In fact, in fact, we may cry even easier, but we will laugh more easily, too. We have hardship without becoming hard. We have heartbreak without becoming broken. Mm, yeah, that is so good. And you know, that's and one thing I really love about... Happen, it's like, this has been a challenging week for me. I, um, the anniversary of my husband Tom's death, uh, geez, 26 years ago, and I had a couple friends that have lost husbands just in the last week. And so it's not just the the grief uh, that I've been feeling, but supporting others in grief, but also in tremendous joy at the same time at honoring the memories of these amazing men. So it's really been interesting to watch myself. I was telling somebody the other day, it felt like in the last week and a half, I like I have a grief hangover. But even within that, yesterday we had major, major triumphs at the Veterans Center and extreme joy within that extreme sadness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's one thing, too, that they both have learned over their both, you know, 80 years of experience. I mean, we're talking 160 years of this wisdom that they've really grown into as just spiritual leaders about that, you know, you can't have great joy without having sorrow. And there's actually a whole chapter that talks about that. Well, I think the, the important point is that you can have both and that you, that yeah, it's going exactly. on simultaneously. That, that it, you know, you not having joy without it. 
And I'm not saying you have to suffer to have joy either. It's just being real with what's going on for you. And I want to talk a little bit here on um, page 14 with the Dalai Lama. It's what the, he's throwing in. I wouldn't say it's the hat he's throwing in, although I've never seen him wear a hat. So that may not be true. But he's, uh, he says, <laughs> probably a little one great thing, question. you know. Yeah, it's kind of metaphorically, but I don't think it's really true. But it says, one great question underlies our existence. What is the purpose of life? After much consideration... I believe that the purpose of life is to find happiness. Nice. I mean, if it boils yeah, down to that, that, why do we let these things get to us? Yeah, I think a part of it's just not necessarily knowing sometimes that we ha- know we have options of choice. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that they really get into from the beginning about, if you go to just to the beginning of the book, with um, this book is so interesting because it's literally... How this all came about was Dalai Lama was going to have a birthday and Reverend Tutu, along with their friend helping them to co-write this with Douglas, it's literally just a five-day get-together because both of these men are so busy, they really had to, you know, calendar out and then have it. So you literally go day by day with all the different activities that they have. There's pictures as a part of the book of the two of them just having a bromance. It's really it's just so sweet. It's just so neat to see these two men of wisdom and just spiritual camaraderie that they have with each other. And they actually, during the, this whole week, they're showing each other different ways that they worship and and really get into deeper practices with themselves. We're going to be making it a regular practice, too, at the near the end of each of the, um, the next few shows, that there's a whole index of exercises. And in a little bit, we're going to go ahead and Amy, ask, ask Amy to go ahead and walk us through that, um, being able to go through this exercise. So just really gives us a good opportunity to be able to do some of these practices. And these are actual things that they have both, they both make as a part of the things that they actually do. So it's not just something that they're suggesting. It's, it's things that they have found over their, you know, 80 years that have very um, helped them to be just deepening their practices. Um, they use it with their students and just make it, a, you know, something that's a part of their lives, which I, I really appreciate that. Well, and, and I know that the Dalai Lama does at least four to five hours of meditation and practice every morning and has forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, Reverend Trutu, I don't know what his time frame is, but I know he does a lot of prayer work um, early in the morning, too. And I'm sure mm-hmm. unceasingly they're doing that work, too. And I mean, what a great model of you've got to it's about practice it's about putting having different tools to use real time and not waiting until you're in trouble exactly it's like you're saying with the practices of being able to have those obstacles knowing that you have those things as tools that can really help you not necessarily make it go away but being able to dance with it and and be able to have a place of presence with it I think that's something mm-hmm. that's a really good way of looking at it. You know, can I be present with this thing and and still be able to, you know, do self-care and have something that I can nurture with it? I mean, I know with you, Aim, that's something that's just with the vet center that you do all the time that, you know, having self-care for, you know, caregivers with, you know, taking care of other people and then just, just some of the challenges that come up with, with um, just some of the things that we've covered the last few shows, it really can help you to be able to be in this place of being a little more spacious with yourself and others. It, yeah, and, I, and it's really important that we, we help people that we're all broken. That's part of the human condition. And one of the things that I like about Buddhist practice is exactly that, that it is practice and that it isn't uh, something that is 
is above anybody or below anybody, but it's it's daily work. You know, and they talk about you know what happens after enlightenment. You get carry water and chop. You're wood. back on the mat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just you, yeah. And it's, still and back it's on the mat daily, the next day. Daily. But and they um, on um, page. Um, I guess I can't tell the page. Uh, page fifty one. I, I love this. He talks about there is a Buddhist saying that trying to seek happiness through sensory gratification is like trying to quench your thirst by drinking salt water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's pretty vivid, isn't it? So this chasing after happiness, the next thing, buying a house, getting another job, having another relationship, you know, having incredible excitement in a relationship, you know, all those kinds of things that is trying to quench thirst by drinking salt water. Yeah, on page uh, 53, too, there's a, a sentence that says, Over the last several years, I um, have discussed with scientists the distinction between the sensory levels of pleasure and pain and the deeper levels of mental happiness and suffering. Now, if we look at today's uh, materialistic li- life for people, it seems mainly concerned with sensory experiences. So that's why there's this satisfaction with the very limited and brief Sincere, their expressions of happiness is so dependent on external stimuli. And that's something that, that both uh, Tutu and the Dalai Lama talk about, you know, um, being able to be in a place of silence, being in a, a place of just being present with yourself and not feeling like, you know, you have to have the constant entertainment and things like that for yourself. So it um, could really help you just to just have a different experience with all that. So, Amy, why don't we go ahead and do the exercise so we can give give them just kind of a taste of what's happening there because we wanted to make sure that we had some time to talk about it um, after we went ahead and did it. So can I have you do that? I think that would be great. Okay, let me let me kind of lead into it first. Um, I think that that would, might be helpful to kind of walk into the, the, this the happiness is an inside job and it's part of that inside job is what the brain does. So it looks like page uh, 56 and 57 I talk about Richard Davidson, the neuroscientist, who has done a lot of uh, neuroimaging research into the, uh, the theory of the happy brain. And he talks about how there are four parts of the brain that are really uh, important in influencing long-term wellness and wellness being happiness. Uh, and the first he talks about is the ability to maintain positive states and uh, so one way to do that is to start with love and compassion. And this um, practice that we're going to do um, really really can help you with that. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you something that can help you. Uh, and maybe try this every day for a week. It's, I've done a lot of Buddhist practice. Um, it's, it's really something that's very helpful in day-to-day life. The second, is, the second circuitry is responsible for our ability to recover from negative states. So... That's, you know, a lot of what we talk about and a lot of the techniques and tools that we've been doing with Transformation Cafe, uh, yoga, uh, thought field therapy, all kinds of different things, certainly meditation, which I say we're going to have a little bit of experience with, and we did a little bit with uh, Joyce did for us last week, is very helpful in, in recovering from negative states. It isn't that negative things aren't going to happen, but can I rebound? Do I get up one more time than I fell down? The third circuitry is dependent upon your ability to focus and avoid your mind wandering. And it it may seem, I think people think that meditation is a bunch of wandering. And what the Buddhist practice and a whole other practice, they talk about it's really how do you deal with your emotions and how do you have the ability to have a sharp, focused mind. 
not letting the emotions run rampant. And that's part of all this work that we will be doing. And then last but not least is the fourth circuitry is the ability to be generous. And uh, she talks about there is a strong and compelling research that we are come factory equipped for cooperation, compassion, and generosity. I think that's pretty darn exciting, don't you think, Robin? That that's oh yeah, and you know, since I started reading this book, I said it's actually something that I've kind of had as a a kind of a prayer for myself. May I be kind and may I be generous. And it's really interesting when you have that as something that you just kind of remind yourself during the day. And um, how it just, you know, it's just like when you, it's just like anything, you focus on something, it's going to show up more, you're, you're noticing it more. And I've noticed that through the last couple of weeks, about just the level of how people can be so generous and kind. I think it's really wonderful. And I do believe when you're healed, when you're, when you're happy, that you are come from that place. And when you come from that place, it helps you to be happy. So, you know, it feed they both feed on each other. So I think mm-hmm. that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. So going to page 311, the morning intention setting, and uh, they talk about how conscious action, and I really want us to move from random acts of kindness to conscious acts of kindness. And I think this is going to help us to do that. And talks about how Tibetan monks do this uh, each morning, um, as a way to prepare their minds and their hearts for what they're going to face during the day. And they also check in with their intentions regularly. And it's so funny because I've had a, um, an, uh, an intention, I call it a centering process, but it's very much this that I've been doing myself and been teaching people, gosh, for 20 years now, which uh, they say there's so much validation, Robin, in everything that we're doing. And uh, he also talks about how the um, Archbishop celebrates the Eucharist each morning while involving reading uh, biblical passes. So it could be, and he does this um, for hours, uh, morning, uh, noonday, and evening, which there is a a cycle of uh, designated readings. So it doesn't matter, you know, what religion or belief you are. It's finding something that's inspirational for you, something that uh, helps you to, to really connect with what really matters. So why don't we take a nice deep breath. And imagine we're in our prayer chair or on our couch or in our backyard, wherever you choose to be in the morning, and you want to sit comfortably with the soles of your feet on the ground or cross-legged. You can do this exercise while still lying in bed, which is what I do. I, um, I do this every morning before I get up and before the alarm goes off. And really, so what I'll do is move from a laying down position to put prop up the pillows and get myself see, um, sitting it up. That way it helps me to, to my body knows, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're in prayer, we're in meditation now. I'm, I'm not in uh, uh, sleep, or my husband uh, calls it snore meditation for him. So next, mm-hmm. <laughs> close your eyes and take several long, deep breaths through your nose. And the trick there is to know to have the stomach rising, the chest rising, and notice yourself kind of rising and then releasing. And that's part of that is just getting oxygen in your body. And so now that you, you've got yourself nice and relaxed and you're, you've got your body full of oxygen, now I love this. Number three is now ask yourself, what is my heart's desire? What do I wish for myself, for my loved ones, and for the world? And just allowing yourself to be with that. Then next you want to state your intention for the day. And a lot of times for me, I do what I, I have intense to-do lists, like I know you do, Robin, and so many of us do, that I really try to simplify it. What is it, what I would love to have happen today? 
And like when I'm thinking of uh, tomorrow, I'm going to be at a uh, veteran event, and it looks like they're going to be meeting one of our sisters for breakfast, but I just got a text from her. So um, I I imagine myself sitting in that relaxed state, imagine having an amazing connected breakfast with my sister, and then going to this event where I have to take all this stuff and set it up, and that I'm there and I'm in grace, and whoever comes up to me, I get to have a great connection with them and support them Then whatever's next. So, And then you're just going to kind of be with that. And then to end your, your time, what you do is you, there's four lines at a very standard uh, practice that we do in, in Tibetan prayer. And I want to uh, read those. May all beings attain happiness. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings never be separated from joy. May all beings abide in equanimity. Now, let's take a nice deep breath on that. And I know, Robin, you do, you, I don't know if you've done Buddhist practice, but this is a very familiar Buddhist practice. Is there something that you traditionally do to start off your day like that? Um, it's, it's something similar to that. And I mean, if you, if you do meditation and you've done any types of yoga, um, one thing that's always really just the, the anchor is going to be the breath. So I think it's a really good thing for people to recognize that, you know, when, if your mind wanders, you know, because I've, I've taught meditation before and really encourage people that, you know, your mind is going to drift off. It's just kind of a part of human nature. And then being able to take that gentle breath in and being able to bring it back and just being able to be in a place of centeredness and kind of just a wholeness within yourself is really what you know. And it's not a matter of feeling like you've got a struggle. It's a matter of just like, you know, having it, knowing it's going to wander off and you just bring it back and, and get back, get settled back into yourself again. And just allow yourself to, you know, be with that flow of things and just, you know, think about water and how it rises and falls and all that too. So, you know, nature metaphors are always really beautiful with that. So it's, it's such a really great practice. I am, boy, I've been meditating for probably 35 years now, 35, maybe 40 years. And I think the one thing to realize is um, I always try to, you know, I, I pretty much don't even think about it anymore. Just like you, I do it before I get out of bed. And even before I open my eyes, I kind of do a check in with myself. It's like, you know, how am I? What's, what's happening for me? And even before I, my feet hit the floor, I really want to do, uh, I'd like to do at least, you know, five things I'm grateful for. And I still have it the same thing every day. But I think that's a really wonderful practice, too, of being able to, you know, be grateful for what I have and just, you know, basic comforts. And it's, it's something that can really um, help us just to feel grounded and, and uh, have a sense, like we're saying, of, of being generous and kind to ourselves and knowing that we have those simple pleasures and simple things that make life better for us and being able to share those with others and, and just kind of, you know, see it on a very simple, simple level. You know, sometimes I'm very grateful to, I like to get up before the sun gets up, so I'm usually hearing the birds singing and stuff. And to me, that's such a, a precious thing to hear the birds sing in the day. I think it's just a wonderful way of celebrating and um, there's times, depending on the time of year and how cold it is and stuff like that, we're not seeing too many birds. So when we're we're hearing them singing and all that, to me, it's just a real joy to to have that a part of my morning and, and part of my day. And I think that's important. I want to support people, and there's so many great practices. And uh, I had lunch with an amazing woman. Her book is called Catalyst for Grace, and her website is catalystforgrace.com. I'd love to have her on at some point. And her practice is stillness. And she takes time every day to be still. 
And let me tell you, in the world we're in today, that can be really challenging. I don't think most people know how to be still for very long at all. There always has to be an objective, right? And there's something. Yeah, that I think that's a still. that's a skill unto itself. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of practice to get there, and and to not worry about doing it perfectly. So I want to go back to um, uh, page thirty-six, and we've got so much crazy going on in the world. I know certainly in my my life a lot of people are are in crisis and um I know a lot of people in the world are 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 feeling a lot of crisis but he uh the Dalai Lama t- talks about I think this is so appropriate for what we're going through he says one of my practices comes from an ancient Indian teacher and he says he taught me that when you experience some tragic situation think about it if there is no way to overcome the tragedy, then it is no use worrying about it. So I practiced that. And he talked about the uh, Buddhist master, Shante Deva, who wrote, if there is something that can be done about the situation, what need is there for dejection? And there is nothing that can be done about it. What is the use there for being dejected? So for me, that really comes down to the serenity prayer. You know, if there's mm-hmm. something that's happening, if you can do something about it, then outline an action and take it. And if you can't, then let it go. And um, I'm doing, I know, um, I'm not sure where you're at with it, but doing the uh, Melanie Beatty daily uh, meditations. And, oh, my goodness, they, I that really marries well with this. So if you want to go back mm-hmm. to looking at some of those the chapters, I, I can't recommend going back and doing the virtual book club with us on the uh, the work that we did with uh, codependence no more, and it's really about surrender and letting go and not being kind of caught up in in drama. And it's funny this this month, uh, each month, and the meditations are uh, it always has a, has a story and then it has a quote and it has a prayer. This month is all about whatever, and so it's about not getting caught up in drama. And not only yours, but in other people. So I think that could be, for me, the the practice that I'm doing is the work we're certainly doing with this book, but also I'm committed to doing the daily reading with this letting go and seeing what, how can I use that today. And having a, a daily prayer uh, has really been helpful for me. Melody's work is just so great. That's one reason why we really wanted to have, took the time to really celebrate her 30th anniversary with that book. And just the, you know, the, just all the different things that she's had with being codependent no more and having be there. Cause I mean, it really goes into perfectionism and just boy, all the different ways that we hide, um, being able to just be kind to ourselves and other people and you know what that can look like for just in just in society in general. So I was really grateful to be doing that in December with just the holidays and some of the expectations of you know what what that can be and you know how a lot of that we could just let let that go and just enjoy the people that are around us. I think that's really such an important component when it comes to being able to have joy in your life as well. You know, being able to just come from a lighter perspective, not taking ourselves so seriously. And, um, you know, when it comes to being able to have the different uh, calamities and things that are, you know, that seem to be just in front of us all the time, being able to come from that new level of kindness and things and being able to just just embrace ourselves in ways that give ourselves permission to do things just a little bit differently and have it be something that can really support us as well as others. 
And I and think looking for different ways to be kind, certainly to yourself, but also to be kind to others. Um, I was at a memorial on a Tuesday night. A good friend of mine, her husband, he, he'd had some health issues, but he 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 passed kind of unexpectedly. And she has MS and cannot drive. And I, I, that was a little frightening for me. It's like, how do I support her? And in during, had several people get up and, and talk about her husband and how wonderful he was. And I have to say the thing I loved most about um, her husband was how much he loved her. And so there was so much love in that room and so much amazing. And one of the people that got up to, you know, to talk about um, how amazing he was and they were as a couple said 18 people had come together and they had created an app and they're calling it Getting Heidi Where She Needs to Go app and that they had mm-hmm. designed it. So if she never needs to go anywhere, she plugs in where she needs to go and one of those 18 people will step up and get her there. Oh, that's so great. That's perfect. We put kindness into our real world. They saw a need, and they came together to fix it. And I don't know if fix it's the right word, but certainly to fill that need in a way that they mm-hmm. shared it with 17 other people. They didn't carry it on their back. Yeah, that's perfect. I think that's really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And so that really it takes a village. Vegas. Yeah. It takes a Vegas. Yeah. I like it. It takes a Vegas. Maybe that, maybe my <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But what a great model for people just all over the world. I mean, if you know somebody who's got some challenges, um, you don't necessarily have to put your total, you know, your total life on hold. Um, just get with other people who love and care about somebody and make it to where it can be a community of support for people. That's just such a wonderful uh, model for, for so many. And and then the, another thing I love about it is that it's finding a balanced way to do it. Instead of one person mm-hmm. taking it on, a bunch of people are taking it on. And matter of fact, I, mm-hmm. uh, I of course, she's you know they they had a deep, profound love for each other, but but she she needs to be present and certainly move on simultaneously. So I had texted her um, right the next day after the memorial, and I said, "What is it that I can do for you?" And she said. Um, next week, come over and let's color together. I'm like, all right, I can do that. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. So it's about, so that way we get to, to be together and do something that will be joyful and not necessarily, oh, we have to focus on, you know, talking about it or anything else, but it's a way that we can be connected together and allow joy together. I mean, it's one thing that the fact that, you know, here she's inviting you to come and uh, color with her. We did a whole show on coloring and um, they've done so much research with it now about uh, the benefits of that. We're, you know, just helping people to move through different kinds of uh, situations that are going in their lives. Uh, you know, besides it just being a creative, creative uh, aspect, they found that, it, you know, it's it's something that you can control with with just different kinds of really calamity situations that are happening. So it helps with post-traumatic stress and all different kinds of stuff, but um, also really helps with people in the grieving situations. So that's so neat that she's wanting to, you know, bring that together and have it something where people can come in and just be together and do it in a colorful way. There you go. So that's, that's really, really a neat thing that she's having you do that with her. So it takes, okay, how many, you know, just like puts the call out, say, you know, out of these 18 people who wants to color with me today. That's cool. <laughs> Well, there you go. The community coloring going on. 
Yeah. And that's a practice. I mean, you know, that definitely can be a practice, a form of meditation, a form of prayer. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, it really can be depending what they're doing with it. Gosh, I've seen so many unusual ways that they've got the coloring available now. I mean, you know, they're in little, um, you know, little pocketbooks and you name it, anything that they can, they can put a pattern on it and you can color it. They're making it to where it's not even in coloring books anymore. It's just all different kinds of useful things. So just want to remind everybody, go to the transformation-cafe.com. Um, if you want to go ahead and get the book of joy, we all have that available with a link. You just push one button and you can go ahead and order that on Amazon. And starting next week, we're going to go through the eight pillars of joy. Um, four are coming from more of the mind, and four are going to be coming from the heart. And, you know, here we're talking about the byproducts of, you know, for happiness and joy. And it's really a wonderful way of being able to look at all these different dynamics of, you know, what it really has um, just brings joy and happiness to our lives. And that's really what we're going to be talking about when we're going through all these pillars. So any final words on uh, uh, homework or just, you know, encouraging people just to, you know, to have some time where you can start doing the practices of, of a little bit of stillness every day and see how that works for you. So anything else for you, Aim? Um, yeah, well, what I said, get the book, like you said, and, and start reading. And what we'll do is we'll start with the first pillar uh, here this next week. And we'll do a pillar at a time. And so you can kind of take your time with a front-end reading, getting up to that pillar, and just, you know, find somebody to do it with you and, and, and find ways to do practice and random acts of uh, conscious uh, kindness. You know, and one of my favorite parts about uh, a Buddhist practice is, if nothing else, don't do harm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And as always, we want to thank everybody for joining us. We have an international audience, and we just really thank you for all your uh, comments and ideas. And um, just, you know, come in and checking us out every week. We really appreciate that. And as always, I want to thank my co-host, Miss Amy, for joining me as well. My honor. Go forth and okay. do joy. We'll talk to you. Well, let's all go do some joy. All right, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time here at the cafe. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Transformation Cafe podcast. To learn more, visit transformation-cafe.com for show notes, guest information, and links to previous shows. You can also subscribe to the Transformation Cafe podcast on iTunes. Join us again next time at the Transformation Cafe, a fun place to nourish your soul.